I'm Jocelyn Ewart, founding principal of Entrust Financial in Wayne, Pennsylvania, and it is my pleasure to share financial tips with you during my monthly segment on Women to Watch. I hope you are a regular listener like I am and that you are finding the personal finance tips I provide helpful. Some of the topics we have discussed so far this year are how to get organized, how to help your children learn good money habits, how to create that all-important travel budget, and what steps are needed as you prepare for retirement. Now I have truly exciting news for you, news you can share with your family and friends. As a veteran certified financial planner professional, I just published my first book, Balancing Act, Wealth Management Straight Talk for Women. It is filled with inspiring real case studies to help you and other women move past fear, build confidence, and make the right decisions without financial concerns. Just go to Amazon.com to purchase your copy. And please, write a review for Balancing Act Wealth Management Straight Talk for Women. I look forward to reading it. The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. My name is Sue Rocco, and I am a very lucky girl this week. I am actually uh, broadcasting live from Austin, Texas. My live audience, and I'm in a beautiful studio that's brand new to EBW 2020, and I'm feeling very um, honored and blessed, truly, and excited to be interviewing uh, my very special guest this week. Her name is Ingrid Vandervelt. She is the founder, chairman, and CEO at Vandervelt Global Investments and EBW 2020, and it's an organization that hopes to empower a billion women by 2020. Ingrid, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's so great to be here. We find and how fun to do this. It's live. It's, it's live. And this is like uh, your first one, right? Yeah. Oh, it's, my gosh. Well, on the road. On we, the road. Women to watch on the road. Women to watch on the road. Yes. Being filmed. Being filmed. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> and should we warn everybody I, that they just gave us a little... A so little we, refreshment? Yeah, a little refreshment. This would be fun. Just, yeah. You never know. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to start with a quote. Um, because in my research and reading and trying to learn more about you than I already know, mm-hmm. I think that whoever this gentleman is, Corey Kosak, mm-hmm. founder and CEO of Frederick, mm-hmm. um, describes you beautifully. Aww. He said, Ingrid has a wonderfully unique quality that makes her one of the most interesting and talented people I have ever known. Her thoughtfulness and expertise as a leader are second to none. Her ability to manage a wide range of meaningful relationships is unparalleled, and her desire to change the world inspires all who come to know her. Wow. I'm not sure if you read that quote before. I've never heard that quote. I think it's... I funded his company, and it sold off. I wonder if that was before or after I did the investment. (laughs) (laughs) We did well. 
well in that Did one. Did you? No, I think that he, whoever he is, he's incredibly insightful. Because oh. I think one of the things that is so special about you is your combination of smarts, um, uh, and intelligence, and you know, really the ability to see and um, envision big ideas and making things happen. Mm. And on the flip side. Your warmth and your graciousness and your funny, your humor, um, that's rare. That's Aww. rare to find that combination, to have all of those gifts. So that's Thank one of the you. reasons, really, that you know, you're know you're my idol. You're, you're really such a great example to women. So I'm feeling I'm a little embarrassed because we have amazing people in the audience I know, here. and we do. And, and we do. Um, uh, thank you. Really, I, I really appreciate it. I wanted to kind of set the tone for the listeners because I want them you know, to understand. And, mm. you know... I believe that um, we all uh, have a pivotal moment, you know, in our childhood. And I say all the time, you can't tell someone's story without starting at the beginning, the very beginning. Mm. And I know that a pivotal moment for you was, and I think this is probably incredibly um, meaningful because of the age you were. I think it was fourth grade Mm. um, that a teacher came to your mom and dad. Mm-hmm. and said, you know, gosh, Ingrid is just not doing well in school. She's really struggling. and um, I was failing out of school. Failing out and of school. And that was not acceptable in our family. We were raised, education's a really important part for our entire family. Um, it, and, and doing well in school was the expectation. So failing out was not, we, we, that was not acceptable. It was a tough tough time and we learned a lot in that yeah. for sure. Well, the irony is, I mean, that teacher had no idea what, what they was were really ta- going what on. was really going on, what they were talking about. Yeah. So, I guess what I want to know is um was that you I I believe you in your DNA is um a genuine desire to make the world a better place. Mm. But did that experience shape some of your drive? to prove, you know, prove them wrong. Tell me, you know, what you felt about that. Well, I think, and again, first of all, thank you again for having me on the show. I feel so honored to be here. This is going to be so much fun, and I really appreciate that. Thank you. I think, so I'll just take a moment before we even dive into what happened in the fourth grade to just, because these days, um, I feel like it explains a lot about how I approach life and uh, the work that we do at Empowering a Billion Women by 2020, and that is um, when when I was a child, and somebody asked me the other day, how old were you when this sort of knowledge or understanding, if you will, happened? And I said, I think I was about four or five, that I really knew um, at a very young age that I was meant to be a missionary. That's what I thought I would do with my life. And even as a little girl, I felt I I was very clear that I'd be a missionary on a global scale, helping women and girls around the world. I just didn't know what that would be. I didn't know why that was happening. I just knew. I just intuitively knew. And um, and I often say it's interesting because as I got older and realized I was a pretty effective capitalist, that I'd end up being a missionary of a different kind. And, And certainly that plays such a big role in the work we do today to be able to work with women and girls around the world. And really empower them to be successful as leaders and entrepreneurs in their own right. But a lot of that learning, the way that we approach things now, and certainly for me personally, um, does go all the way back to being in the fourth grade. And I was failing out of school. And the principal of the school at the time called my parents in and they said, we are not quite sure what's going on with your daughter here, but she's a distraction to the class. Uh, we're not able. <laughs> and can I just look out there? I feel so odd. Like, I'm like, all our friends are here. 
interesting. We're having a lot of fun. We have a lot of our friends in our studio audience today. We're very we excited do. and appreciative. Thank you. So, um, and the principal said that uh, they were not able to teach me. And they said, you know, she's failing out of school. And the term, and, and I always say it's so inappropriate, and it's okay if people laugh, because uh, the term that they used then was not, we don't think your daughter is learning disabled. He actually told my parents, we think your daughter uh, is retarded. This was the, oh my gosh. I know, the terminology that they used back yeah. then. And it's one of those things you think, oh, my gosh, really? And what ended up happening was I was told I was no longer allowed to go to that school, but I was forced to go to a school very far away from where we lived. And it was a special school for, you know, air quotes here for those listening, but special school for special children. Um, I rode my own bus to go to that school and was there for three years. And it was just one of those times in my life that even when I showed up to that school for all these other special kids, myself included, like they were starting, those kids were making fun of me because I was coming in on my own bus because I was the furthest one away. And they would take me into my own special classes with my own special tutor because I was having that many issues. And it turned out that after those three years of going through all these special classes and having all of that um, testing, that it was something as simple as a hearing disability. I'm actually not wearing my hearing aids today. I should. It's, you know, vanity, and that's ridiculous. I should just wear them. So if we're talking and I don't respond, that's why. Okay. But I have a learning disability. And once they figured that out, then, uh, and we were able to start working on resolving that, I was able to excel. But what it taught me at such a young age was really the gift of what I now know as mentorship. My mentors at the time were my parents. Um, And I always say for those parents who have children, to especially fathers, to tell your daughters Mm -hmm. the most, you know, foremost powerful words, I believe in you. Yes. Yes. And to continue to encourage me when I felt so bad about myself as a child and I felt like I just stuck out and I was never going to make anything of myself. And to have my parents say, turn that word special around and say, yeah, you, you, in fact, you are pretty special. You're exceptionally special. There's something very unique about you. But had they not continued to dig further and further and then come to that conclusion that it was something so easy to solve, I, I can't even imagine where I would be today. Mm. And it reminds me every single day, truly every single day, that in those moments of facing adversity, and we see it, you know, just through a number of things that we deal with every day, we have that moment to choose, am I going to look at this at face value or am I going to dig a little deeper? And then when I dig a little deeper to whatever that issue is, am I going to decide that that issue is going to stop me from moving forward? Or am I going to choose that whatever that issue is, is supposed to be part of our journey Mm. and either help me pivot some way else or be something that really provides fuel to our wings to really grow even further, farther. And that's a really powerful thing to learn when you're in the fourth grade. Yes, fourth grade. As a girl, fourth grade. Yeah, that's a tough time. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And then you get to seventh grade, and that's even worse. (laughs) (laughs) It just goes downhill until you're in your 40s and 50s. And the acne comes out. It's just horrible. Oh, gosh. No, but I I was, you know, I think um, mentioning your dad telling you that he believed in you, that's such a really strong, powerful thing for young women. So imagine had you not had that support um, from your parents, you know, imagine what would have happened. But 
Very, very lucky. As I look at today and, and have this opportunity to do global work and travel around the world and do these extraordinary things, and, uh, you know, I, I have to always say it makes such a difference when you grow up with amazing parents who really instill this belief in you that you can truly be, do, or have anything you want to be anything at all. You have to work for it. Right. It's not going to be easy. There are going to be a lot of people that doubt you, but it's possible. And that too is also such a big reminder for me and why, again, I'm so happy everybody's here. So I'm like, we need that support pack around us, especially mm. when you come out into the world as an entrepreneur and every day you're faced with jumping off a cliff and am I going to make it? Are my wings going to fly on the way down? Having your tribe, your sisterhood around you is so, so important because those yeah. are the people that really help support you when you don't believe in yourself. Right. Absolutely. So you, um, this is a, a coincidence and something we have in common. My daughter graduated from SCAD, Savannah College of Art and Design. That. Yay! And, uh, yeah. We have a SCAD person here. We Brian. do. Our cameraman. You can see him. So you, just, you originally were going to be an architect. I was. Right? An architect. Yes. At which they have a wonderful program at SCAD. Yes. And so I want to know when you made the pivot from um, being in, and I know the kind of creative culture that is down there in Savannah. Yeah. And you were studying architecture, and then somewhere at some point you decided to go into business and get an MBA. Right. <laughs> How did that come about? Well, it's, um, thank you for asking. It's, and I'm, I'm laughing because it's, uh, it's funny looking back on how things happen in our life. So uh, when I was trained as an architect, I actually was really inspired, again, going back to just knowing I would uh, be playing a, a global role in some form or fashion. And so while I was in school, I had run for office of the American Institute of Architecture students, which is the governing body of students in the U.S., Canada, and Puerto Rico in architecture schools. Right. And I won one of five national director offices and then was asked to sit on the American Institute of Architects board with all these professionals to help um, bring a student perspective to how we can make the profession better. Like, all these things were happening. I don't know if I was even 20 years old yet, and I kept finding myself in rooms with really smart people who were a lot older than I was, a lot more experienced, a lot of lawyers and business owners and community leaders, and I just had no idea what I was doing. I just would was like, how did I end up here? What am I doing in these rooms? And I just had this uh, idea that, you know, if I had a JD MBA, that I would be super smart and I'd be able to understand what they were talking about in these meetings that I was doing for the AIA and AIAS. So I, I got the idea to go off and uh, get a business and law degree. And when I came to school here at Texas, while I was in school, I started launching companies. Um, just thought that would be a lot of fun. I was very inspired by the whole entrepreneurial. Well, I came here in part because UT was number one in entrepreneurship at the time, and I really wanted to learn that. So I was having so much fun doing that that I ended up just launching businesses. I never finished the law school part, but I finished the business school. And from that uh, point in time, I just continued down the business path and really saw the power and potential of how important, going back to you know how I joke, but it, at the same time, it's not a joke, uh, about being a capitalist as well, that I think, especially as women, you know, so often we go through our life, we're not owning our fullest worth, our fullest value. And I saw the power and potential of, wow, 
imagine creating something that I can generate my own money and be able to apply that to create job opportunities. And if I make enough money, I can earn, you know, buy a house and then I can make some investments. And I just saw how that could grow bigger and bigger and bigger and just make a bigger impact in the world. So it just inspired me to keep going down that path. So, you know, when you mentioned about the businesses, starting a lot of different businesses, which you did, that's gutsy. You know, that (laughs) that takes a lot of courage. You, you know, fresh out of um, getting your MBA, you founded, uh, I believe, 212 Studios Incorporated. Was that your very first? That was not my first, but it was was one of my early ones. But it was a big deal because you you got a patent. And I'm going to read this because I, I, I do have an idea of what it is. But you, you patented an online data mining and data analysis methodology, <laughs> which sounds really cool. Like, what is and, that? Yeah. Uh, but I, here's what I want to know. That's, that's lofty. And, um, you know, as I said, it's, it's kind of a scary endeavor because I think a lot of times we think, what if something goes wrong? So here's what I want to know. Is what enabled you to do that and to do it time and time and time again? Is it more a belief in yourself? Is it a lack of fear? Kind of, you know, some people, you know, they're, they're not really afraid. They just kind of blindly go into things. Or is it the excitement of the challenge? Or is it all three? It's a great question because I, um, I am scared half to death every single day. You are. And, and you do I, it anyway. I, uh, in fact, as part of being a very spiritual person and, and not starting any day without being in meditation first is really to acknowledge that fear and that not knowing, and it's, it can be suffocating. And I realize that if I don't, if I don't step forward, if I don't work past this, then who is, and not who, like we all have to do that, right? So for anybody who's going to innovate, you have to keep walking past and through that fear and it can be so, so scary. But, um, you know, uh, that 212 company, which was so much fun, amazing to do at the time. And, and just to simplify what, what actually it was at the time, I come out of business school and I went to the school that Michael Dell went to. And I was so inspired by this guy named Michael Dell, who was building this multi-billion dollar company out of the trunk of his car. And I kept looking around the tech industry and there weren't any women. And I thought, oh my gosh, wouldn't that be so cool to be like the female version of Michael Dell? You know, and that was really just this concept, like, oh, what would that be like? You know, and there were so many people at the time that were raising a lot of money. It was the dot-com boom. Mm-hmm. So you were raising lots of money off of like napkin sketches for like these, you know, other tiny ideas, really. Right. You know, I thought, well, if they can do it, why, why can't I do it? And where you start to bridge sort of that architecture background and the business background is the Internet, because it was booming at the time, I was so intrigued by these uh, businesses that were just exploding on the web. But at the time, the Internet was very difficult to interact with. It wasn't like in architecture. What I love about that is you're creating spaces with limited to no resources that inspire people to be their best selves. You know, that's really what you want to do as an architect, to inspire them to do what you want them to do in the space. And creating a business is very, very similar to that. And at the time, with the internet, you know, here you had this uh, place with like zeros and ones, you know, going back and forth on the web, people were doing commerce, but it was so challenging to interact with it. And I thought, what if we can make it this place that you would show up and I'd be like, hi, Susan, nice to see you again. We saw you were here yesterday. Here are some suggestions. 
things that today are very commonplace. Mm -hmm. And so it was that vision of wanting to create something like that that I began to really look at how would I use technology to apply it to what was happening on the web to really create that environment, much like an architect, that is engaging and fun to interact with. Mm -hmm. And so that was my first patent was developing. It's, it's basically real-time personalization software. It's what you see when you go anywhere today and, and sites interact with you because they've tracked where you've been and they make it very easy for you to interact with. So it's old you know, stuff it's today. It's just that. No. <laughs> no. It's just that. Well, it, it may, you have to have really great people around you. So yes. thank God. One of the things I've learned is just I don't know what I don't know and, and get out of my own way. Lisa knows this in spades. I have to be told, back off, give us space, let us do our thing. Because um, that is that is truly the only way that these great ideas are ever built. Just get out of the way and do your part to help everybody, myself included, move forward. And that's what I was doing back then. So do you, th- so you, you know, you, you do have fear and you worry, but you push through it because of, it sounds like you have such an in- um, incredible curiosity and excitement for new ideas, you know, and, and perhaps that's stronger than the fear that helps I, you. I think, um, and we might get to that, but I, so I live a very spiritual life. And I, and again, I think it's important to say that because I remember even early on in business showing up into one of my first venture back board meetings and talking about a little bit of spirituality, but more intuition. And I was in a room full of guys and they said, I don't care what your intuition tells us. Just show us what the money is. And like, it's not expected for people. It's more so now, but especially for women to show up and say, no, this is my belief system. And this is why I do what I do. And I really live a life today that, um, you know, I made that commitment five, six years ago to be 100% in service. And my entire life, um, I do feel like I've been given a lot of opportunities. I've certainly struggled a lot, had some very, very difficult and dark moments as well. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's um, I would be going against what, whether you call it God, universe, spiritual, I'd be going against what, what I've been called to do mm-hmm. if I didn't show up in this way every day. Um, and who am I to tell God, spirit, universe, you know, um, what I'm supposed to be doing? I'm, I'm here in You're service. Yeah. 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 Well, I love that because what, what is more supportive and powerful than that to lean on and to have? You know, it, it, it's kind of like knowing that something always has your back you know, when you're out and about, even if, if it's a tough, tough time. So, you know, I think, I I think it's wonderful that you speak so openly about your spirituality and your beliefs and, you know, everyone should, should, should do that because it's always a lesson for those that are struggling. Well, and thank you for saying that because I, 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 um, I will say that it was in that moment of making that very authentic commitment to 100% live my life in service, that truly, I mean, as, as many things that I was doing prior that I thought were so great, again, having struggled quite a bit as well, but my life literally transformed. I mean, you cannot architect the things that happen now. You just cannot architect. Uh, you know, as I've talked to Lisa, I've talked with all of our friends here many times, Kirsten, I mean, just... Sometimes I get home and I come off a trip and I'm looking at my husband and he'll ask me, so, you know, what, what did, how was your trip? What did you do? And 
like, what do you even say? You can't put it into words. You can't. Yeah. You know, what do you say when you go down and you're working with uh, women down in the jungles of Africa and then having dinner with a president and then you're working on policy issues to transform a country and then you come, I mean, like the scale of how things operate now is just so different mm -hmm. and, um, like, you just can't architect. So my recommendation is, for anyone yeah. listening, give it a shot. Like, really give it a shot. When your gut and your intuition is telling you to just get quiet, mm -hmm. and instead of trying to think your way through something and you're really struggling or you're feeling depressed, give it a shot to gift yourself with a few hours on a weekend to sit in silence and just listen and don't tell yourself how crazy you think you sound when you're hearing things because that is that authentic voice trying to come through and, and guide mm -hmm. and really take you on that path you're meant to go. And it's amazing what happens when you do. Yeah. It's like a vacation. It is like a vacation. It's my mini vacation. <laughs> it is. Yes, when every you day. Just are quiet. Really, it, it is. It's like a little mini break. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things I love that you said, you said, I'm interested in bringing high integrity people together to make the right deals happen. I oh. love that. So here's the question, because I think entrepreneurs and, and women in business um, come up against this. Um, have you ever entered into a deal and realized that the person that you chose or, you know, perhaps weren't the right fit? And if so, how do you deal with that? Other, sometimes, you know, we misread people and we're misled and, and maybe they don't have the 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 level of integrity that you would want them to yeah and that's and and sometimes you know that gets the uh, you know as a capitalist person that's driven by you know numbers are sort of how we keep score on things and so you know it's a it's a regular check for yourself to not let that get in front of the right decision making um, as well mm -hmm. so you know it's we we're spiritual people living this human existence so we all deal with it okay. but I'll tell you I mean that um, and this is something that I, I don't know that I've talked about before, but, you know, my baggage, my cross that I carried for many years was I kept getting into business. And I'll say it was with older guys that I felt like I needed to have alongside me because they had the capital, the experience. It was this validation that because I had gone through so many years of being told I don't look like, act like, sound like any of the CEOs uh, that investors are used to funding. I struggled a lot to get funding in the first time. By the time I was on to my third venture, um, I put everything I owned to make that venture work and and ran it the venture to the wall and lost everything and, and literally became broke and homeless. And I did not want to admit to my family or my friends that this has happened, but I was living out of my car. And those are very dark, dark, humbling moments. Mm -hmm. And they were also my best teachers because in losing everything and losing, you know, all of my confidence and trying to figure out how do you build step by step from that to, to come back. But, you know, now looking back in the past, being like, thank God I came back like in, in this way. But part of that journey of coming back was building my own confidence. I kept getting into business with people who really weren't good people. Mm. And I, I was so like, oh my gosh, if I get this person, it's going to validate me and they have the money and the resources and all of that. And I found myself in really, really challenging circumstances three times um, that I really, I mean, I was suicidally depressed at one point mm. because I couldn't believe 
I had gotten myself into this situation again. And it was, again, going back to that sort of spiritual aha moment of really deciding that I don't need that anymore, that I need to walk forward on my own. Uh, One thing, and many of the women here know Rachel Muir here in town, an amazing entrepreneur, and I'll never forget her saying to me, she's like, Ivy, isn't it the coolest thing that you and I know how to make deals happen? We know how to sell stuff. And she said, because we know that, we're never, ever going to be without a job. And that was one of those like totally simple concepts that gave me this aha moment that I was like, she's right. If I just keep going out there and push forward, I'll start to build. But um, it took me years to work past that baggage and realizing that while I can't do anything on my own, I only do it with amazing people around me. Uh, it, it taught me that, you know what, it's okay to some, sometimes be walking alone and mm-hmm. gift yourself that time and that energy to allow the right people to come around instead of trying to drive it forward and find mm-hmm. the people that aren't. Right, right. So that's really important. The, the people that you have on the team with you, that... Uh, it's really what life's about. Yeah, it really is. Listen, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. And when we come back, I would love for you to tell the story, the Dell story, picking up the phone, calling the CEO. Uh, I want our listeners to know about that. We'll be right back. There are 365 days to schedule a mammogram. Today is as good as any. Holy Redeemer Breast Care makes it easy. We offer the latest technology like 3D mammography and automated breast ultrasound that help find cancers in dense breast tissue. Plus, our same-day readings mean same-day peace of mind. Make today the day you schedule a mammogram. It's easy to request an appointment online at holyredeemer.com mammogram. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. I'm Jocelyn Ewart, founding principal of Entrust Financial in Wayne, Pennsylvania, and it is my pleasure to share financial tips with you during my monthly segment on Women to Watch. I hope you are a regular listener like I am and that you are finding the personal finance tips I provide helpful. Some of the topics we have discussed so far this year are how to get organized, how to help your children learn good money habits, how to create that all-important travel budget, and what steps are needed as you prepare for retirement. Now I have truly exciting news for you, news you can share with your family and friends. As a veteran certified financial planner professional, I just published my first book, Balancing Act, Wealth Management Straight Talk for Women. It is filled with inspiring real case studies to help you and other women move past fear, build confidence, and make the right decisions without financial concerns. Just go to Amazon.com to purchase your copy. And please, 
write a review for Balancing Act Wealth Management Straight Talk for Women. I look forward to reading it. Welcome back, everyone, to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. I am, uh, again, very excited and feeling very blessed to be uh, broadcasting live from Austin, Texas, in a studio at EBW 2020. And I'm with Ingrid Vandervelt, founder and chairman and CEO at Vandervelt Global Investments and EBW 2020. So just before the break, we were talking a little bit about, you know, things that have um, shaped and helped you along the way to start and sell multiple businesses and um, your your spirituality, which is a huge part of who you are and what allows you to get through every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought we would start the second half with the story um, about Dell and your Grand idea that you just decided to take to the CEO of Dell. Is that right? Or was the it's pres- actually the president, the president yeah. of Dell? But Michael was involved too. He was great. Yeah. This is, you know, this kind of was catapulted you to a whole new level. Um, for, sure. for sure. And so I'm just going to let you tell the story of how, how, where the idea came from. Where were you when that, that idea popped mm-hmm. into your head? And then what allowed you to go in and, and make this happen at oh, Dell? Well, again, thank you for asking because yeah. it's, uh, it's fun to look back on it because, again, it really is just this divine, divinely guided thing. I'll, I'll put it that way. Again, as we were saying, you can't architect this kind of stuff. So I was back in 2010 or 2011. I was literally on a dirt road in Dallas, Texas, and I had, you know, I was driving and meditating. That was one of the things, too, that as a daily meditator, but um, I always say my greatest gift, but also my biggest vice is complete lack of patience. So I made an agreement with God. I said, you know, will you please talk to me when I have a moment? I promise to Is it safe to drive and meditate? (laughs) I don't know that I can sit there and just, oh, you know. And I think that's important to acknowledge because for years I was like, how do people meditate? How do they hear? How do they do yoga? Whatever. And um, and so, you know, I I made this agreement and I was able to really open up and, and hear in sometimes very unusual places. So this being one of them. So I was driving on dirt road in Dallas, Texas, and I had asked the question, you know, what, where I had made the day before that authentic commitment to 100% go into service. And it was like the most exciting moment and the scariest moment to be driving that car because I was about to ask the question, what do you need? What, where, why, what do you need me to do? What, what am I called to do? Because I could have been asked to go and, as I mentioned earlier, service women in the jungles of Uganda, like, go do that. Um, or I could be asked to do what we get to do today, which is empowering a billion women by 2020, which includes that. And that was what I heard very, very clearly. And I literally dropped a bunch of four-letter words screaming like, oh, my gosh, this is the craziest idea ever. Why me? And then I really started panicking. Like, what does this mean? How do I do this? I, I, this is crazy. The long story short of that was that when I took the deep breath, I reminded myself, Ivy, you, you made the commitment. And so now that, that path's going to be shown. I don't know what it looks like, but it's going to be shown. So instead of thinking it's impossible, and I did a TEDx talk on this, but how do you make the impossible possible. And so that was the question I began to ask was, well, how, how does one person create these global movements? There are people who've done it before. How does that happen? And so for me, 
instantaneously, once I opened up to that, it became very clear. My life to that point had been spent as a business person running tech companies, as a media person hosting CNBC show, so I knew media was going to be very important. Here we are today. Mm -hmm. And then policy initiatives. I was very active in policy, and I knew that we needed to have uh, political policy involvement, I'll put it that way. So from, from there in the Dell call, uh, I knew I needed a, it, the only way that we were going to reach a billion women in this short period of time was absolutely going to happen through technology. And I realized I needed a global technology partner to make that happen. So the next sort of five scariest days of my life were when I had made the call to who was the president of Dell at the time, Steve Felice. And I arranged for a meeting. He accepted. I said, I have a very big idea. And I'd like 15 minutes of your time. And How did you get the call? Did, did you have a relationship with him prior to? I actually had met him. And this okay. is, it, so I had met him down and I had been invited to go to a Dell event that I actually turned down. So I turned the event down, which was interesting because at the time I, I said to the person, I was so busy doing what I was involved in then. And I said, Dell doesn't get entrepreneurs. They don't get women, you know, and I, I don't know what the investment of my time doing this it's going to mean they're an enterprise company. And this girlfriend of mine said, no, Ivy, you, you really need to come. You need to see what Dell's trying to do. And Dell was trying to create opportunities to connect with women around the globe. Okay. So I went there. I met the president of the company, and that's where we created the uh, friendship. So I spent, spent a little bit of time with him there. But when he accepted the meeting, uh, those, those were very scary days for me leading up to that because I really did not know what I was going to say to him. I didn't know what I was asking. I didn't know if I was asking for a job. I didn't know if I was just going to admit this idea that people said, don't tell anybody empowering a billion women by 2020. It sounds insane. They'll think you're crazy. Don't say that. So I didn't know what I was going to ask. And then I just prayed on it, and I realized that the only thing that I could do was be completely authentic in my communication with him, as crazy as it might sound. If, if I didn't do that, then I would never have a win-win relationship anyway. I need to be authentic and transparent. So when I went in to meet with him, I shared what the idea was. But where I knew there was potentially a huge business opportunity was that if we're doing it through technology, and if at the time it was, let's get mobile devices into the hands of these women around the world, if we could do that, and even if I really screwed this up, you know, if I kind of got part ways down the path, but these women were all on Dell devices, that could be pretty big business for the company. And he saw that too, instantly saw that. So literally in that meeting, we did a handshake deal. We came up with this idea of calling it the entrepreneur in residence. We didn't even know what it meant. We just said we're going to figure out, <laughs> and that's what that's happened. Okay. That's how a lot of things start, right? It was amazing. Yeah. And I was supposed to be there for, uh, it was like three months, yeah, three months, and then six months, and I ended up being there for three years, and it grew into uh, me overseeing entrepreneurship initiatives globally for, for the company and running an unbelievable <coughs> business uh, for Dell. Yeah. Tell me how you, how you came up with the number a billion and by 2020. That, that idea. Was that... Just literally, it was just through meditation. Okay, that's there was answer. it was clear as day. Wow! And it wasn't you know, and and people listening to this are probably gonna be like, oh my gosh, this girl sounds just uh, you know out there, and it, that's okay. Um, well, because you've proven that you know everything that you have done has proven that by listening, 
um, and, and, and really hearing what your next step should be, that it's working, because it is. Walking forward in faith is a very powerful thing. Yes. It's really amazing what comes around. Yeah. What, what attracts. And like I said, not every day is easy. We have some very challenging days because you can't do something like this. And again, uh, you know, we're, we're not here to um, have just a concept. We're here to achieve the goal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we have a lot of work in front of us. Mm-hmm. And there are amazing people who I say about every single person on this team, there is not a single person on this team that couldn't be out running their own business very successfully, doing their own thing as their own CEO. And every single team member has made the commitment that together we really want to see this changing of the ratio for women and girls around the globe. And to, to show up into an environment like that every single day is just absolutely amazing. But that doesn't mean that you know we have very strong opinions at times, and you need that. You need that to respectfully challenge and provide that constructive criticism so that we can continue to weave and navigate um, to move towards this goal. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about why women. Um, I think everyone in this room has um, uh, in their mind why the world would be better with more women in charge. When you said we must view sustainability through the eyes of women, why women? I want to know what 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 you envision the world to be when we have more women leading. Hmm. I could talk all day. That's a big loaded question. Because I always say, too, and I'm so appreciative and really love, and I say that to the guys, I love working with the amazing men that we get to work with. And women will not, we won't elevate to our fullest potential as leaders and entrepreneurs if we're not doing it in collaboration with, with the guys. But there are so many qualities about women that really bring other women together. We look at, you know, whereas guys, what I love working with the guys, they're especially in business, they, you know, again, making money in large part, and I'm grossly overgeneralizing here, but mm-hmm. the facts will show, mm-hmm. you know, that it's, it's really, it's a competition and it's, um, they think in a linear fashion. Women, on the other hand, you know, making money for some of us is, you know, a competition and fun, but really in large part is because we want to make an impact. Right. And our the way that we look at things is not in this linear fashion, but let's look at the whole picture mm-hmm. and how can we um, bring everybody together and, and um, collaborate to create a better whole. So when you bring that into a structure that's been historically men, you know, MIT did a study and they say when you mix the teams at the executive level, you get 41% higher ROI. Women, when they're making money, whether they're trying to rub two pennies together or they've got millions of dollars to spend, we reinvest 90% of what we make back into our families, our communities, and ultimately the world. So if you really want to create a global sustainable future where we're all inspired to thrive and grow, it really is the women who are doing that. And so what inspires all of us every day at EBW and what gets us out of bed and we think about in the middle of the night is... We only have a few years to get where we're going, mm-hmm. and the faster and further that we can go, the faster and further our world's going to evolve to that place that we all want to see by enabling women to have the resources and the support and the networks that they need to, to reach their fullest potential. 
One of the things I think about when I look at someone like you that really has their hands in so many different areas, You're, you have relationships all around the world, there's organizations that you serve outside of EBW 2020. I want to know how um, you manage the overwhelm, um, you know, just the day-to-day influx of, of information and requests and things that need to be done. How do you manage that? Well, we the, don't. <laughs> I mean, I'll just say it right now. I mean, the, yeah. like, a, we try. Maybe, you know what? It's yeah. probably the meditation. I'm, I'm, I guess yeah. it's the meditation and, and your, your faith. I think there are some things that, uh, you know, I heard a phrase at Dell because I can't, you know, and it, it's now happened for us here at EBW that I had three EAs and three emails and we could not handle all the volume of requests of things that were coming through. And I was feeling so bad right. because it's not me. It's what uh, what I was representing and sort of finally at Dell you know, there, there was a person that was opening these opportunities and I understood it. If I was on the outside, I'd want in too. And, um, a, a colleague of mine at Dell said, you know what, I mean, sometimes you just have to say you're an email bankruptcy and being a finance person, I was like, okay. I mean, not <laughs> supposed to say not okay, but okay, I get it. And that really, um, I think the combination of that, uh, again, staying very transparent and authentic so that people know I am we are committed to this. We will put every available resource. I will give every moment of my time that I have, but there are a lot of things that I'm not going to be able to do. Mm-hmm. And that, that concept, especially for women about work-life balance, when I finally got in my own head that it's okay that I actually don't have balance, you know, I'm either all in or I'm asleep. And that's just sort of how I roll. And that's okay. There's a reason that I was asked to channel the... Yeah. <laughs> all in or asleep. Like, yeah. yeah. But we try, we try our best, and um, again, you know, the team does such a great job too. Of, yes. I thank God for them every day because again, I, I don't stop, and I, I get that that's part of it's a gift and it's a vice, but I, I have to recognize too. You know, we work with families, we work with parents, you know, we work with people who have many more important things going on than EBW, and. It takes a strong personality to be able to say, we can't do this, you know, or yeah. this isn't the right thing. We, yeah. we really need to go that path. And, and I have to step aside and let that happen. And that means that we're not going to get everything done that I'd like to see or that they'd like to see. But that's part of moving towards as a moving forward as a team towards the same vision that is this big. Yeah, because there's no question for us that we will get there. And that's one thing that they all know. They have my commitment that you know, God bless. It might be a tornado behind me, which is where I need really great people around, but we're going to get across that finish line. We'll, we'll reach those billion women. Yeah. Well, I think it helps when you are selective the way you are to bring in the caliber of men and women that you do. That really just helps things flow the way they should. I want the listeners to know that you have been chosen by Oprah Winfrey (laughs) to be a part of her Super Soul 100. That's a big deal. So definitely team yes. effort. For I mean, sure. come on, she's yeah. you know, amazing. Who doesn't right? know her? So oh to be connected gosh. to her is going to open up all kinds of wonderful opportunities and, and more doors. Yes. Um, one Thank of you. one of her favorite um, things that she has said, and I love the way she does this inter- interview. She'll say, you know, we believe things and, and we think things and we feel things, but here's something I know for sure. So is can you tell me something that you know for sure? 
aside from your your um, your spiritual belief, your faith, mm. is there something you can tell all of us that you really know for sure that you have learned from your experience? Gosh, nobody's ever asked me that, and that's really a, a tough one because I think um, what I would say I know for sure is that I don't know for sure. I don't have those answers, but that if I don't at least take that next step forward and apply something that I remind myself, actually, Kirsten, that you and Joe Eisenhart and I talked about, how do you eat an elephant? You eat an elephant one bite at a time. And, uh, you know, so what I know for sure is that if you put yourself out there um, truly in faith, um, work to to acknowledge ego has its role, um, do what you're called to do, that while it can be so, so scary and you don't have all those answers, the resources will show up. If you're open to that, they will show up. And it's our job to almost sometimes just get out of our own way. Mm. And that's something I tell myself every day. <laughs> just get out of your own way. Yeah, so yeah. true. And out of your own head. Out of your sometimes. own. Oh, gosh, that's for sure. Yeah, which... Brings me to, I'm going to jump ahead for a second. I, I met a very interesting man. His name is Kapil Gupta. Do you oh. happen to, have you heard that no. name? Um, he's very interesting, and he works with celebrities and executives and high-caliber athletes. Oh, fun. His belief, I, I just wanted your take on this. He believes that um, sometimes the mind is becoming the master over what is our spirit. No, for you know, sure. right? So we talk a lot about mindfulness in today's world and in the, in the culture. And he said, you know, we really don't need to be mindful. We need to be mindless. Mm. We need to get out of our own minds where all of these mis- messages are coming. Mm. Um, what do you, you know, as someone who, who meditates, I guess your, your intuition really is kind of listening to the spirit, the soul. You know, whatever we want to say is not the the mind or the body. So what do you think about his statement that we need to be more mindless and not mindful? I love, love that. And it's such a great point because I think where where I find it, uh, you know, a challenge, but also an opportunity, I think, for all of us is, as I said, you know, earlier, I feel like we're all spiritual beings living this human existence. And I talk about um, sort of the meditation sort of spirit side, managing that with the ego side of things. Mm-hmm. And there really is space for the ego. Like you can't do these kinds of things if you don't let your ego have space to thrive in some ways too. You know, if so it's, it's almost this regular daily balance of, so my ego is the thing that can absolutely, you're thinking through things are the things that can get in the way of where you're being called to go. And at the same time, to believe, to even have that belief that, okay, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do this, how we're going to reach a billion women, but we're getting there. That's an ego thing. There's, mm-hmm. there's a big dose of spirit in that, mm-hmm. but that's an ego thing too. And, and so, um, so I think just acknowledging that and being aware that it's, it is this delicate balance and letting your mindlessness um, override the ego side of it, more of this, less of this. And that's when I dial that in, which doesn't happen all the time, but that's where things just really start Mm -hmm. doing that karmic gel, if you will. And you're like, Oh, 
course that just happened because that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah, that's a good goal to have every day when you wake up to try to, to be that way. And, and some days we do it really well and other days we not don't. Not so good. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is not a very creative question, but I'm just curious. I would love for you to tell me your typical day. <laughs> I want to know a typical day in the life of Ingrid. You get up. In the morning, like we all do. And what happens? Yeah, I'm like, what does happen? That's <laughs> and perhaps you have no idea. And you're just, yeah. Um, and actually, there's probably yeah. not a typical day. I mean, yeah, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I had Lauren's here. I'm like, what's a typical day? Um, no, I, I would just say, you know, the, the, the um, getting up. It's, is anything, is, you know, here's a better way for me to say this. Is there something that you do the same every day that kind of keeps you grounded? Would you really just, yeah. I actually, you know, I have this thing. I did this a few years ago and I created something called daily guiding principles and I walk around with it. It literally is three pages of, especially in those moments where I'm feeling utter fear and confusion. Mm -hmm. I read this and it's, it might not be what you think. Um, and when I say, when you think just what, what I would have thought before I made this thing up, but it was, what are the things that really, really matter to me? And so on there, it literally says things like, did I tell Glenn, my amazing, wonderful, salt-of-the-earth husband, that I love him? Did I tell my family that I love them? Did I tell my team how much I appreciate them? Um, and that one's really important because, again, I, I know I drive hard on everything. And even just saying thank you is so important. And that's, I find myself so often, I haven't said it enough. So it's, it's things like that. Did I take care of my skin? I'm not doing that a good job of that right now. Like I just got my hair done for the first time in two years. I hadn't taken time to do that. You know, um, did I meditate? That's something I do every day. Did I work out? Um, I like to eat and drink a lot. So I'm Dutch. It's it's what it is. I I like to be celebratory. So I have to work out. It like helps me stay on top of my energy, but I also, I want to look good. And so I, I make a point of, of working out uh, five or six days a week. But then w- the way that I go into the day is I do map out what what's happening through the day. And I do look at what are our goals for, I mean, I have everything broken out into what do I need to do this month? What do I need to accomplish this week? And what am I going to accomplish today? And then as we're, you know, we're like a week and a half from the end of the month, and there are things that I still want to accomplish this month that are pretty significant goals. And when it comes this close to the end of the month, I start honing in on that. Um, but there are things like I was on the phone this morning with, um, I'll just say, a, a, a royal princess. She's amazing. You'll get to know her. I won't say who it is because she'll be involved with us. But they were You can't asking, announce it on the show? I can't announce it. can't break it. the story? <laughs> Not yet? She said yes. Yes. She said yes to what you offered. Right, okay. Global Ambassadors. Okay. Can we make a... Yes, okay. So this is really um, amazing. Okay. So there is this amazing princess out of Saudi Arabia. So her royal highness, Princess Basma bin Saud. Uh, So she is coming out of Saudi Arabia and really wants to shine a light on the power and possibility of women out of that region. 
not just Saudi Arabia, but out of that region. And so she just, we were all together with her just last week in Los Angeles. She's in the country for a month. And she's agreed to sign on to be the chair of our 22 global ambassadors. So we have women from around the world who are the voices and visionaries of their communities that come and collaborate with EBW, who are amazing women in their own right. Mm -hmm. And so she now will be the chair of that. Which wow, we that's congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. That's great. We're talking about some other things with her, but um, so she asked, you know, this morning, could I fly out and, and we need to spend a few hours together? So mm -hmm. that is often what will happen. So I get a request like that where, you know, I, I no longer say, you know, we used to say money is our most valuable asset years ago. No. And then I said time is our most valuable asset. It's not that. It's management of energy because literally uh, an hour of time for me, for all of us, but it that's where I don't ever know quite what the day is going to be like or right. quite what the week's going to be yeah. like because when things like that come up, um, the only answer is of course, I'll be there. Yes. <laughs> right, right, right. But listen, we're out of time. That's it. We have to wrap up. I thank you so much for allowing me to come here to you and to have you share your story with my listeners. I'm, I'm so honored and appreciative. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. Really appreciate it. We all do. Thank you. And thank you for all being here.